Hey, y'all. What you're about to listen to is not an episode of this podcast. It's actually an episode of a podcast produced by Joseph and Nicole Peterson, who are ministers living in the state of Washington. Uh, Their podcast is, funnily enough, called Kings and Queens which is a somewhat binary title, but don't let that mislead you into thinking that they're not all for binary breaking. You can learn more about their story, about how they both um, managed to get out of very like conservative, unaffirming, evangelical communities in order to explore the good news of God for everybody and and where they are now. You can hear all that in uh, the link to their website that I'm going to include in the show notes. But anyway, Joseph uh, and I had a conversation that just aired on their podcast a few days ago, and he gave me permission to share a little clip of it here so that you can hear it and decide whether you want to go listen to the full thing. Um, we got to talk about pretty much my favorite topic ever, which is the transness of Jesus. Uh, and we talked about other stuff too. Uh, you get to hear some background stuff about me if you're curious about about me, um, my experience growing up in a Catholic church and realizing in college that I'm queer and all of that, why I started this you know, Blessed Are the Binary Breakers podcast. Uh, we talk about all that, but the clip I'm sharing now is... Uh, me getting to info dump about Jesus being trans. It was really fun to talk about this topic um, in the in the context of Joseph's and Nicole's podcast because Joseph let me know that a lot of their audience um, are on the sort of more uh, conservative, non-affirming um, spectrum of belief where a lot of them have sort of absorbed non-LGBT affirming views of scripture and Christianity. Um, And some of them are comfortable in that sphere and then others want to figure out how to move beyond that. And so, yeah, it was just kind of fun to, um, to address a different audience than normal. So you can, you'll be able to tell I had my pastoral hat on where I'm, I'm being very nice and gentle and like, Hey, it's okay if, if you don't buy all this, right? It's okay if, if you're, if, if the idea of trans Jesus offends you or scares you at first, like here, I'll take you by the hand and lead you gently through it. Like, so (laughs) a different tone than I take on here for the most part. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of fun. So Get ready to hear that in this clip, and and if, if you like what you hear, go and check out the full episode um, on Kings and Queens. I'll provide a link for where you can, can do that. And if you want to hear more from me about Jesus being trans, there's also links in the show notes of this episode to where else I've talked about trans Jesus uh, in the past. Um, so... That's sermons and episodes of this podcast and my website and a bunch of other places. So all the links for y'all today. Okay, bye. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I think your podcast is one of the best ones out there is because (laughs) like, obviously it's amazing and to hear you talk and unpack different things is incredible, but it's also, I think 
personally for me, like that is the future of Christianity. Yes. Is yes. a breaking down of the binaries and it's mm -hmm. building new tables yes. around like interfaith mm -hmm. and like most of our listeners know, like I grew up in a very conservative right. church mm -hmm. and a very conservative environment. Uh, my family still exists in those spaces, are in ministry and are wonderful, but they just still exist in that world. And there's so much around evangelism and money and politics yes, and like yes. just the way that church is designed is so binary mm -hmm. and is so like conversion and right and yes, wrong it and is like very, male and female yeah. and pastor and lay person. And, and us versus like, them. It's all, yes. there's always an us and there's always a them. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I think just the idea of transness and gender nonconformity is a picture of the beauty of the diversity of uh, yes. Yes. God, you know, mm -hmm. and like who God is in the world and how God can be experienced by different people from different perspectives and different walks of life. And that is just so beautiful. And I think one of the first thing that I think I remember reading on your website or your podcast was the topic or the idea of the transness of Jesus. Uh -huh. And my guess is that for a lot of our listeners, some maybe have no framework or experience in considering the transness of Jesus, which is totally understandable and totally valid. Um, maybe they still exist in an unaffirming framework or context, right. which we'll get into later in the episode. Or maybe it's just due to the fact that, like we said, the cis-heteronormativity of the Western mindset yes. uh, that needs to, in the language of Nikki Young, be queered or reimagined <laughs> yes, yes. or like kind of thought of in a different way. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. either way, can you kind of unpack and sort of pastor us through this topic mm -hmm. and help us understand the transness of Jesus? Yes, yes. I love, I love that you use the, the verb pastor to pastor people through because you're very right that for a lot of people, um, and I've encountered this a lot, especially online where people will sort of confront me often very aggressively about like, how could you say Jesus was trans or, or God is queer? This is offensive. And like you're saying, this is this the reason they respond that aggressively and they see it as almost sort of an affront to God to even dare to claim something like this is because of the culture we're steeped in and the norms we have. Yeah. And what we think transness is, that it's a brokenness or a deviation from the norm. Well, if God is perfect and Jesus is holy, how could you possibly say that Jesus is trans, therefore non-normative? And in our world, non-normative means broken and wrong and deviant in this very yeah. this this way that seems to be the opposite of what we say God is. So I do yeah, sometimes I'll get salty and, you know, I'll be like, well, you just got to you got to accept it. But other times it is it's important <laughs> to pastor people through because totally hu like human brains are designed to react with fear to new ideas that that go against our current worldview, because our brains are trying to protect us when they throw up defenses against very new ideas. And like you said, like the culture we're steeped in in the United States and elsewhere does not help with that. It sort of feeds that that xenophobia, right? Instead of helping us learn how to sort of acknowledge what our brains are doing and, and what our, how our bodies are reacting when we hear these new things and say, okay, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling anger. 
why? Why is it so offensive to me that someone thinks that Jesus yeah. is trans? Why is it absurd? Why is it sacrilegious? What's going on? Why is my brain telling me this? Um, and how can I sort of explore, let go of these defenses enough that I can really hear what the other person, why they're saying it? And yeah, so before I talk about trans Jesus, I'll bring up one common argument that I hear um, against the idea is that terms like transgender, non-binary, gay, queer, and so on, they're very new relatively, right? Um, and they are culturally specific. So to take someone who's from 2000 years ago in a completely different culture and say they're trans or they're gay is disrespectful. And um, I actually agree with that to an extent. I think that is very true, that we do need to be very careful when we apply contemporary labels or contextually specific labels to historical figures, biblical figures, people from other cultures. Jesus isn't trans in the way that I am trans, in that I live in this context where that was a, a term that I can choose for myself and really identify with. But there is so much to Jesus's story that really resonates with me and a lot of other trans folk because of our transness. And so that's why we can say that Jesus is trans. Um, it reminds me a lot of people who get angry. I think people who get angry about trans Jesus or gay Jesus also get really upset at the idea of black Jesus, right? A lot of black theologians yeah. say that Jesus was black or at least, or, or, or else focus on the fact that, you know, he was a Palestinian Jew. He was not white. Right. Um, right. And so it's sort of if, but if we, if we refuse to say that Jesus was black, what we're implying is, oh, well, then Jesus was white, right? They, the people who get angry at the idea of black or brown Jesus are totally fine with images of Jesus white and heck wearing like Renaissance robes from yes, Europe. Yes, exactly. Like. <laughs> it's so, so inconsistent mm -hmm. of like, we don't want Jesus to be this, yes. but we don't have a problem if yes. Jesus looks like this in pictures or in right. songs Even though or that's, in sermons. Right, that's not culturally correct either. Exactly, yeah. totally. Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency there for right. sure. And it's totally about what we see as the default. They don't see white Jesus and think, well, that's not what he looked like because we don't... We're not trained to see white. When we are white, we're not trained to see whiteness. And so we just see him in a default body instead of, a, yeah, you, you, you know what I'm saying. And I'll, yeah. um, I know you've had black theologians on talking about that. So I'll leave that um, to their wonderful work and focus for today on trans Jesus. I think it's the same way that trans bodies are seen as a deviance and not the default. Um, but cis bodies, which are seen as the as the default, are also just sort of not named as cisgender at all. Um, so if I tell them, okay, fine, I get it. You don't want me to call Jesus trans. That's an anachronistic. Well, he wasn't cisgender either. That they get mad at that too, right? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> any because basically what they hear is that I'm claiming that Jesus was not normal and therefore not moral, not sort of. Um, holy because they see the normative and the default with yeah. the combined like they see it as the same thing as the holy but jesus wasn't cisgender again we can talk about like well because culturally that label didn't exist but also in the sense that he was not a normative man by his own culture standards either yes he did not act like a man was supposed to act in the sort of and i won't go into it too much um if anyone wants to hear about how 
gender at G- in Jesus's time and place, especially with Greco-Roman influence of his culture, gender was more of a hierarchy than a binary back then. Um, Chris Page's book, Otherwise Christian, has a wonderful chapter going into that. But basically, there was one gender and it was man. And a man was someone who was a Roman citizen in the context of the Roman Empire who was not enslaved, right, was a free man and all of that. He he owned property, he owned household, he had a wife. Jesus was none of those things. He was not a Roman citizen and he did yeah. not settle down and um, on his own bit of land, marry a woman, have kids. He wandered around as a homeless itinerant preacher with a bunch of other men and women and um, he called his own disciples to also break those normative family ties. There's there's um, quotes throughout the Gospels where he tells you, to, he tells his disciples that they have to leave family behind sometimes in order to follow him. So totally, very much gender nonconforming. Wow, that's a that's <laughs> a great perspective. That's so so helpful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Okay. This is awesome. not, yeah. I'm so it's not so confusing much. yet. It's good. No, okay. no. This is. I'm yeah. totally track. I mean, I'm tracking. If you're not on listening, then you can yeah. read that book. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. It's definitely trying to condense so much information into yes, a little conversation is hard. But but yeah, so the, the gender nonconformity of Jesus really resonates with trans people who likewise either can't or won't fit in on what is nor- fit in with what is normative in our own culture. There's also some other fun stuff about Jesus and his gender nonconformity. For instance, in Matthew 23, and I think also at some point in Luke, Jesus calls himself a mother hen, right? He says something about like, oh, I wish that if only Jerusalem, um, the people of Jerusalem were my chicks that I could gather under my wings to protect them. Mm. That's a beautiful maternal image from, I can't imagine many like, manly cishet men in our day and age calling themselves mother hen. Because, you know, you masculinity is pretty fragile yes. these days. Yes, and, 100%. And it always has been. You're not going to call yourself a mother hen. You're going to find a manlier, stronger image to describe yourself. Um, but Jesus wasn't afraid to um, put that feminine language on himself. One, one other way that Jesus really resonates with me as a trans person is how deeply he desired to be known, especially in the Gospel of Mark. There's this fascinating weaving of you know how he'll often tell his disciples after he does or says something he'll be like don't tell anyone i did that right like yeah don't tell anybody i'm and there's a there's one point and i wish i'd written down i it might be a mark three it's somewhere fairly early on where he says something about how when the time comes everyone will know but for now don't tell anybody and to me that that reminds me of how we need to honor when people who are trans, queer, gay, bi, they're not ready to come out to the world. We need to honor that and protect them in the closet, right? That um, Jesus wasn't ready for everyone to know this part of his identity, in this case, that he is God, that he is the son of humanity, however you want to word it. Um, He wasn't ready. He let his disciples, people close to him know, and he let people in need that might need his healing know. But otherwise, he didn't he wasn't ready. He didn't want them to announce it. It was up to him to announce it when he was ready. But wow. even even with that not being ready for everyone to know, he is so desperate for the people closest to him to know to know him. He um 
you know, the, the famous passage um, that's in Mark and also in Matthew, correct me, um, where he asks, yes, it's Matthew, where, who do you say that I am? And Peter, wonderful Peter, replies, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And Jesus is like, yes, you got it. Great work. And he's so happy. And in Matthew, he even says, I'm going to call you rock from now on because you've been this foundation for me, right? On this rock, I will build my church. You've you got yeah. it right. And you feel like this firm foundation because you understand me. And then Peter makes it clear that he actually doesn't understand what Messiah means to Jesus. Because when Jesus says, it means that I'm going to die and I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. Peter tries to correct him, right? Like, no, that's not what Messiah means, Jesus. And Jesus gets angry enough to be like, get behind me, Satan. He's clearly very upset. And yeah. it's it's almost like a friend of mine, uh, they and I have talked about this, that Peter moves from being the rock that is like a foundation that Jesus can rely on to a stumbling block of telling him that wow. his identity isn't what he what he thinks it is. Like, no, Jesus, that's not what it means. Um, and I, I really feel that from a trans perspective. When I explain to people who and what I am, and I'm so eager for them to really understand so that our relationship can deepen, so that they can see the real me. And sometimes even when people at first seem to get it and they affirm me and it's wonderful, Sometimes it becomes clear later on that they don't really see me because they keep misgendering me or I hear them talk about trans people in a certain way where I'm like, oh, you don't really, you have this very stereotypical idea of what it means to be trans and, or you only know the one sort of mainline narrative of transness and you don't actually know me and it's, it's so painful. And so I feel like Jesus understands that pain in a way that really ties us together in, in a way mm -hmm. that I don't think many cis people can understand in the same way. Yeah. And I mean, I love that picture that you gave of Jesus inviting people to intimacy mm -hmm. with him. And that was like, that was his desire. And it's, it's such a difference in what we see oftentimes, specifically when it comes to, I'm just speaking from my perspective as a pastor, mm -hmm. but when people think about ministry or pastoral leadership or, you know, growth of a church or whatever, there's very few people who were actually really interested in developing intimacy with the people that they're like doing life with yes. and not just being like known publicly mm -hmm. or growing this thing or this platform. Mm -hmm. Like you said, those stories of like there, I can remember the, the one story in the gospels where like Jesus heals this dude and he's like, ready to book it back to like his town and be yes. like, I got to go tell everybody. Yes. Yes. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what, like, I'm not ready or I'm not what this is about. And mm -hmm. like you said, there's a lot of layers there, but I just think about that idea of like kind of imagining Jesus being like, I just wanted this between us. I wanted you yes. to know yes. Yes. that I love you, that like God sees you, that you are like known for who you are. Mm -hmm. And this is like God's, goodness and love just like pouring out on you and those other people are wonderful and amazing and yeah like maybe eventually mm -hmm. but right now I just want to like know you right that is such man that is like such a beautiful image and such a beautiful picture yeah oh man I get I get so many emotions about Jesus <laughs> I love it um oh yes 
anything else to add about oh yeah transits of jesus keep going yeah you know you know i've got more examples <laughs> oh let it rip let um, it rip one of my favorites is okay it's a little complicated so we'll see if i can word it well a slightly more complex idea of a trans jesus is the idea of eunuch jesus so this is an idea that was first proposed by a trans theologian named Victoria Kolakowski in the 90s. And she looks at the the sort of commentary that Jesus has on eunuchs in Matthew 19, um, you know, where Jesus goes on about how there's eunuchs who have been eunuchs from birth, ones who have been made eunuchs by others, and then there's eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And this can go in so many different directions, but I'll stick to how it has resonated with a lot of LGBT Christians over the years. But sort of to understand it, you have to know a bit about eunuchs in, in you know, in ancient cultures because, you know, we don't really have this as a as a thing anymore. So going back to that idea of like a gender hierarchy in this sort of Greco-Roman world, Eunuchs, of course, would be people who were assigned male at birth. Would we would think, oh, they're men, right? Who just have been castrated? Not in this culture. Um, once they're castrated, or if they're born intersex and then made a eunuch, they are not considered men. They're not at the top of that hierarchy, right? They're sort of somewhere in between on this hierarchy of they're above women and children and. Um, a lot of enslaved people, but they are below freed men. And so, and and there's also this issue where they were often slaves themselves, but held this higher role in a lot of sort of government positions. So they had this really weird, definitely non-binary space in their cultures. They were also, um, by the time of Jesus, they were viewed in very derogatory ways. And so some scholars believe that eunuch would sometimes be used sort of as like a derogatory term or mm. even a slur for um, people who were not literally eunuchs, but acted like a eunuch. For instance, Jesus. The, um, so Kolakowski suggests that Jesus might go on this, like start commenting about eunuchs because people referred to him as a eunuch in a derogatory sense saying, why aren't you getting married? Why aren't you having kids? Are you a eunuch or something? And the really cool thing about it, wow. and I'm gonna quote Kolakowski's article. This is from the late 1990s. Um, she writes that Jesus does not respond by distancing himself from eunuchs or by making some clear distinction and defining himself as good and them as bad. Instead, to leave the quote, he goes on his thing about eunuchs for the kingdom of God, right? And her quote continues, by making this statement, Jesus identifies himself boldly with the eunuch whom his society considered sexually deviant, queer. And so she she talks about how um, queer folk today who choose to reclaim slurs to say, oh, you're going to call me queer as if that's a bad thing. It's a bad thing to be queer, non-normal, strange. No, it's a great thing. Yes, I'm queer and I totally will join myself to all the other people that you're calling deviant. And that's what Jesus, what this eunuch Jesus does too, is saying, yeah, sure, I'm a eunuch and that's a holy thing. So hmm. I'm a fan of that one. Yeah, that's just also yes. another yes. example mm -hmm. of Jesus finding his home in the margins. Like always, yes. always in the margins, always with the people for whom mm -hmm. society doesn't have a framework or space for. That is always where he's like, 
making his home. And that's just, yeah, that's just another example. All right, keep going, keep going. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so this is the, la- the last sort of trans Jesus image I'll give is the more sort of metaphysical abstract one. And it's the idea of Jesus as a, as you know, in the Trinity, a person of God. Jesus was a genderless, non-gendered, beyond gender, non-human being, omnipotent divinity, and became human, became finite, became vulnerable, and was assigned male at birth. So this genderless divinity became someone that the world would call male. That's a transition story, moving from this genderless state to being assigned male, and then throughout his life, as we just talked about, sort of defying those roles assigned to him. And so um, that's the sort of abstract idea of seeing a trans Jesus, and it, it makes me really happy to, to just think about, and also kind of sad that, <laughs> right, like... I I always wonder what did Jesus, how did that feel for Jesus to move from that sort of divine state into human flesh? What does it feel like to enter this sort of cramped, finite physicality? He definitely seemed to think it was worth it. And it was because of his love for us that, um, that God so loved the world that God wanted to experience creation. Um, which breaks the ultimate binary, right? There is no binary older or bigger than that of creator and creation. Yet somehow the creator, it's the queerest thing. And this is what kind of cracks me up about Christianity is that in its current state, sort of tangled up in power and and colonialism, it has become very anti-queer. And it always baffles me because it's an extremely queer religion. Queer as in strange and binary breaking that we believe that the creator of the universe was then created in a human womb um, and nursed at Mary's breast and taught how to walk and speak and read by his human parents. Yeah. That's very queer. That's very trans. Yeah. (laughs) Trans. Yeah. I love that at the heart of the incarnation, like the very essence of Mm -hmm. the gospel and the good news of like renewal and healing in heaven on earth that is that reality is ushered in through a transition exactly Oof. yes 